This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. This Joycast is a free service brought to you by Joy 94.9. Support Joy 94.9 by becoming a member at joy.org.au. Dan Vo, born in early 80s, is the son of Vietnamese immigrants and discovered he was gay listening to Joy, age 16. Dan was raised with his sister Viv at Mill Park in Melbourne's northern suburbs. His maternal grandparents played an important role in raising them both as his parents did shift work at Australia Post. Asians were in the minority at the local Catholic primary school, so on weekends Dan attended Vietnamese school. During Dan's youth, radio played an important role via SBS Vietnamese Radio, and Dan has said it was the thing that bound us to our lost home. In his early 20s, Dan joined Joy as a volunteer and subsequently became an employee. He worked with Joy for five years as the marketing manager and also a stint as acting general manager. And when he became the acting general manager, Dan was both the youngest and the longest serving member at that time. During this time, Dan also presented the popular program The Fool and the Opera, which was an opera program for everyone, making it accessible to all people, not just the opera buffs. And I, th- I think the um, show was awarded uh, or nominated for a community broadcasting award. And it's further testament to the fact that radio played an important role in the family, as Dan's sister is also a broadcaster on community radio station SIN, the student youth network. So whilst some may not feel Dan fits the term elder, including Dan himself, I feel he does. Elder to me is not another name for an older person, but a term that denotes a leader and one who advocates for others who can be any age. Dan was my mentor when I first joined Joy as a volunteer, and I think he is a true leader. In his softly spoken way, Dan has shown maturity beyond his years in the way he successfully communicates with all facets and ages of the GLBTI community. Dan now works in mainstream media and he's making a new life for himself in London. My co-host Anastasia and I warmly welcome Dan Vo to our voice. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) This is your life. (laughs) That was an incredible um, introduction. Thank you so much. Well, I think... And it's such a thrill to be here as well, so thank you for having me. It feels like you've come home. It does. I was just walking through the corridors and sort of sticky beaking through little things and there's there's it feels like home. I remember even sitting in this chair right now, I can actually feel the chair and it, it just I've sat in this chair so many times in this exact position and, and it it's all just coming back. It's like muscle memory, it's just recognizing everything, the scent, the smell, the place. It's just incredible to be here again. I think you should tell us about the red table. Well, I was was, the red table has been sawn in half. It it makes a very practical two separate tables. But the red table, I was just telling you before, it was there was once a a telephone campaign that uh, we had at Joy, and this is this is actually before my time as well. I know it via the the photo archive, and it's the very famous red table where we've got uh, Paul Turch, Mark. Gardner, um, uh, yeah, Anne. I think Anne Hamilton is there as well, and they're all sitting on the table. With it's an incredibly cheesy <laughs> photo shoot with all telephones, just like the song you know. that you chose at the start of the program. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, my my gay awakening was thanks to that song. Um, at about age sixteen, I would just channel flick, and 
I, I was just flicking one night and I heard this 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 young man talk about having a crush on a boy at school and I was just like, oh, that's that's like me. Um, and and he said, oh, I want to play that song. I'm going to play you a song and it's called. Um, the coffee song by Super Sister. It was imported to to Melbourne. I think we're the only station that still plays it. Probably the only station that's ever played it. <laughs> yeah, possibly. absolutely. That's what makes it special. <laughs> it was brought over by Damien Nicholas and those lyrics. You know the lyrics. Oh yeah, we've played it a lot, especially during Radiothon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I used to trot it out for Radiothon as well. As you know, I love my man like I like my coffee hot, strong and sweet like toffee. Incredibly cheesy. Yeah. Um, but that was that was an awakening moment. I sort of bolted out of bed and started dancing in in the middle of the night you know by myself to this music that it was just a euphoric experience so where to from there that's amazing isn't it absolutely and then you how did you come to find joy then actually to become a volunteer it took a little while uh it took a little while because even though i was listening to gay and lesbian radio it took me a little while to actually connect the dots that it meant that I was actually gay. It was more an awakening than, you know, immediately realising I was gay. And then beyond that, you know, I had to go to university and and try and find the gay community there and not connect with them. Um, Mm. I didn't immediately find people that I connected with. So there was just a call out for volunteers at Joy, uh, specifically for marketing. And Uh um, I I missed the cutoff date (laughs) by a day. And then there was an events um, volunteer call out. And that's when I I came in for the interview and I met Paul Turdich, who was the station manager at the time. And, you know, it was just a fairly stock standard routine interview until he kind of asked me, you know, I, I can't remember what it was, but I remember telling him that I was just going through some things at the time, you know, not finding a community and um, having things happen at home that, you know, weren't, uh, that were very confusing. And he sort of, and I remember this glint, he always has this glint in his eye occasionally. And I see it with, you know, whenever he's working with particular volunteers that he's, he's wanting to, you know, really help and support. It was a glint in his eye and he kind of went, right, okay, well, I think there's a place for you here. So... So there it was. That's start. beautiful to hear yeah. that when you're wanting to feel you want to belong somewhere and someone says, I think I think you're going to be able to fit <laughs> yeah. right here. So before you got to 16, you obviously had a, a fascinating childhood. Would you like to share with us how your parents came to be in Australia? Well, um, I was actually just doing some research because you mentioned that my sister's a broadcaster. My dad did a stint of broadcasting ah, on so it is in the blood. 3 Z, yeah. and um, my mum is actually now getting her fingers into radio herself and I was just listening to her um, she's made a, written a piece that has sort of turned into an audio drama in the car on the way in and I, I was just crying the whole time because wow. it's essentially her story of her leaving Vietnam, uh, of her getting into a, a tiny little boat, you know, stacked up with 13 people, you know escaping Vietnam after the after the war um, and yeah it's, it's an incredible thing to that I'm sure we can elaborate on oh I'd like to do that so and where would that go to Eve? well the the magic of, of radio these days is you can sort of just put it out on the internet and mm. there will be someone who will want to listen well I think you've got two people already oh absolutely so why don't I we feel just like crying tonight yeah, <laughs> I think we will our community our stories our voice joy 94.9 
You're on Our Voice, and our special guest is Dan Vo, and we have Anastasia filling the boots of Jess tonight. Yeah, and how funny is it? Like, I'm, I haven't been nervous on um, radio for ages now, and being on someone else's show, I just feel like I've got to be on my best behaviour. <laughs> well, you don't and this have is to really be. professional radio. It's We're not just trying. a matter of throwing tracks on like Anastasia does in the morning. Which, in a minute, you'll be back. And I do appreciate you coming <laughs> in because you won't have much time between. Nah, it's fine. I'll just sleep here. Yeah. But thank you for filling, uh, filling in for Jess, Absolute who pleasure. unfortunately couldn't be here tonight because I'm sure she'd love to meet you, Dan. She loves it when I interview youngies like yeah, herself. Yeah, she's now. Yeah. So, Dan, prior to uh, going to that break, you were talking about your mum and her story coming from Vietnam. Do you want to just elaborate on that? She's a, a boat person uh, and she left Vietnam... Uh, there were several attempts actually to leave Vietnam and there was a few times when she was rounded up and put into the local prison uh, because, you know, you couldn't escape. Um, You weren't allowed to escape. Why would you want to escape uh, a communist country? (laughs) And so, yeah, I was just listening a little sort of radio um, thing that she's put together and it's sort of incredible. It's sort of many years I've grown up just hearing, you know, sort of hushed discussions in in, in other rooms as a child growing up when the the parents would gather and they'd sort of recount the tales and never really want to share it with the children. But she sent this link to me um, a few weeks ago and it's it's quite an intense tale. Um, I've kind of gone through the same sort of, uh, tried to go through the same path that it took her to go through. And it, I would say it would be utterly terrifying just mm. to think that there's, there's a phrase that she used, which, uses, which was, you know, in death she would find new life. Oh, wow. you know, that was the risk. You either died trying, died mm. on the sea, or um, you, you, there were so many ways to die. There were pirates, there were um, the, the, elements. the, you know, the, yep. the, the commanders trying to yep. pull back the people or, or, or commanders on the other side not wanting to let the people in. Uh, to... To kind of get to that point where death is the is is not something that you would fear, mm. you know, to to get to that point where you think that getting into the boat is your best option, and that still happens to this day. Mm. And you know, I I think that you know we need to be a lot more understanding of of when we think of you know let's let's turn the boats back mm. being a phrase that gets bounded around in our politics. It's something that we've got to really actually consider why why these people are jumping into boats. And, and it's a beautiful thing what your mother's doing. If we can get that that out on the airwaves and educate people about what it's really like. And um, what about your mother's siblings? Did they come with her, or did they have to stay? Or? Um, we've we've yeah we've got most of the family in Melbourne actually. Right. Um, a significant number of her. She's got she's got uh, she's number nine. We count differently in Vietnam, so uh, she's num- technically. For us, she's the eighth child of ten, but in wow. Vietnam, she's number nine. Okay. And our entire family are intact after the war, and many have tried to escape and actually got through. So we've, we're in Melbourne, we're in Canada, we're in America. So it's it's a very rare um, occurrence for there actually to be a family that lost no one at sea. Mm. Or mm. wow. So it's uh, we we've got a very good family here uh, and uh, i remember weekends we'd always gather together and it'd be big you know sort yeah. of family do's and you know it's we we are very lucky to my sister and i to be where we are because i remember growing up we'd have you know family dinners on the floor you know just a tablecloth spread out and mm. everyone would gather around you know now we have tables and yeah. cars <laughs> and i'm flying to london you know yeah. that sort of thing it's and 
I know this show's about you, but I'd love to know, how did your mum meet your, your father? Uh, they met in Melbourne. They met yeah. here. Oh, okay. um, <laughs> um, again, it's a story that hasn't really been <laughs> passed down to me. So right. it's... Uh, you mustn't be as inquisitive as what I am. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you're here, Caroline. You're I just stick my mum in a room with you yeah. and you can tell me afterwards. <laughs> afterwards we'll give you. But uh, yeah, no, they met here and I think there's a, there's a very strong, there's a fantastic Vietnamese community here. Mm. I think we're probably one of the larger uh, Vietnamese communities around the world, you know, of, of overseas Vietnamese people. And there's a really good uh, community here. You know, and we're quite spread out. We've got Springvale, Richmond and... Uh, Footscray. I was going to say, don't forget Footscray. Footscray, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and yeah, I think they, they sort of met at, uh, there's many local gatherings, um, community gatherings. So yeah. I think in general, growing up, the whole notion of a community that you are connected to, that you are supported by and that you contribute to was very important. So uh, and, it, and it leads to things like wonderful friendships and, yep. you know, partners to be and that yeah. sort of thing. So you were saying um, also in the introduction I mentioned that you're very close to your uh, maternal grandparents. How much influence have they had on you? And Mum and Dad did shift work. So they were literally ships passing in the night. Um, oh, okay. She'd come home and Dad would go off to work. Yeah. Uh, and so my grandparents raised me. They, I remember my grandfather taught me maths and uh, my grandmother um, taught me David Attenborough. Oh. <laughs> she would watch David Attenborough all the time. So a lot of what I know about, you know, the world and animals and all yeah. that is, you know, just sitting um, next to her in her rocking chair and just watching, um, uh, you know, these amazing TV shows. And uh, they they also taught me the foundations of, of, of who I am in so far as, you know, Vietnamese society, the way that it, it structures. Um, it's... It, it is Confucian-based society, so there are things like uh, very male, you know, the male lineage and all that sort of stuff. But uh, my grandmother became the matriarch of the family, and she was a very powerful woman. So there was very much a, a very strong uh, sense of equality in the family. Male mm-hmm. and female stood mm-hmm. um, as equals. Um, but also just how you treated other people, um, how you needed to be, insofar as the the family came first. Uh, so we always gathered as a family. Even even the way that Vietnamese people sort of say their name, the last name always comes first because the family is always more important. Wow, so. is that why that is? Yeah, okay. Mm. And the counting system, which yeah. I meant before, yeah. mentioned before, it counts differently because my mum is eighth child, but it's number nine because the parents are the what? first position. Ah. You cannot give that it up to that too. anyone but the parents. So wow. We're on Our Voice with Dan Vaux and my co-host is Anastasia. And if you'd like to interact with us tonight, as Trish has done, to say uh, she's enjoying the show, please send a text on 0427JOY949 or a quick email on onair at joy.org.au. And I think we've just got another little one coming. So, oh, it's from my ma. Talk about family. Is that my ma? My, that's my ma. Oh, was so, family important? Yeah, <laughs> she's listening. She's listening. So, right on cue, ma. So, um, so thank you very much. But my ma's also very supportive and thinks family's always first. So, so um, now, Dan, you're a traveller. You're here at Joy. You've done your five years. You've had a great time. <laughs> and then you've said at the ripe old Say age of about, about 27... Yeah, you get shorter sentences for <laughs> for bigger crimes, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I wanted to see the world and I I I've I've seen I was actually 
took out a, a, a map of the world, like a black and white map, and I was going to get my crayons out and just colour in all the places I've been. And I realised I've picked this, the smallest possible countries in the world. So, <laughs> so it's not going to be very colourful. <laughs> on landmass, I've, I've not covered much at all. You'll have to go to Russia or... Yeah. <laughs> that's right, Russia or China, yeah. just to cover yeah. you know, <laughs> most of the world. But Australia is a significant... It's probably the biggest country I've been to, but uh, it's, uh, it is... So, the more I travel, the more I find it is a big, wide world... Mm. And there's so much to see. But at the same time, it's such a small world as well. There's so many... You just bump into people on the other side of the world that you know back home. It's really quite a strange experience. So what prompted you to actually say, I want to leave now, Joy? You've had a great job. It was obviously, you know, a vibrant community that you were in. Um, But but then to say, I'm going to leave all that. And I remember we had a conversation. you You were saying that you were only going to go with, I think it was 100 possessions, and you were just <laughs> discarding everything, and you basically had a bag. And so, tell us about that. I had a, a theory at the time called back to zero, and it was essentially um, just pairing my things as close to zero as possible, and also just getting out of debt, so going to zero from the other position as well. <laughs> and it worked out quite well. I ended up having I've got eighty eight possessions, and they all fit in the you know twenty six liter bag. And Is that so you can buy twelve things when you go overseas? Or <laughs> that's right. <laughs> it's it's a very freeing kind of um, thing to do, and I've done it for a f- almost two years, a little bit more than two years now. I'm I'm ready to sort of settle down and find you know something a little bit more stable now. But it it is incredibly freeing, and I think that's what I was looking for. I was looking for freedom. I was thinking back of what my mum had done, essentially at my yeah. age, yeah. and it was to go. And just explore and try and find something elsewhere. And I think that's just, there's a drive in us. This mm. is what we do as humans. We always want to see what's just over there in the, mm. in a dark, shady place. And, you know, nothing will stop us from trying to go further. Yeah, and at least uh, you've had the opportunity to do it safely and unlike your mum who did it Absolutely, with, yeah. you know, in fear. Mm. If we've got that, that opportunity and that that fortune to do so. Absolutely. I think it might be time for your second um, your second little track for us. Well, this is a girl who, roughly about my age when she wrote this song, and she is a Vietnamese girl who was born in Belgium and grew up in Belgium. I think very much she wanted to do a very similar thing and sort of just go back to her roots and discover exactly who she was as a Vietnamese woman coming oh, wow. back home. Our Voice, preserving our stories. Join Caroline Vogels and Jess Morhey for an insight into the lives of our community elders. Joy 94.9. And our special guest is Dan Vo, and filling the boots tonight. I you were going to say your special guest is Anastasia, but it's so about Dan Vo tonight. <laughs> yes, that's right. It's so unusual for you, Anastasia. We did get a message in regard to that from Betty saying it's the quietest she's ever heard. Yeah, you. I know. I'm behaving. It's you about are. Dan tonight. We are trying to make it about Dan. Uh, however, we're getting a plethora of lovely text messages. Uh, we've had my sister talking about family again. She's listening and I'd have to say she went to Vietnam and loved it. So it'd be good to talk a little bit more about that in mm-hmm. a minute. And we've had the lovely David who has texted in to say, G'day, Caroline, Anastasia and Dan. Thank you for such an interesting and personal discussion. Oh, that's lovely. We love you, David. Yeah, and he lo- David loves the story yeah. like we all do. It's one of the those things that I walked through to Colorado and had a look at the snow domes as well and went, yeah. <laughs> good memories. <laughs> you didn't bring him one back. <laughs> oh, that's a good one, actually. Yeah. Next well, they've been 89 <laughs> positions. Where are we? We're, we're still, we've, we've only gone to Vietnam. We haven't even got we've anywhere only yet. Gone. You know what? We need another good three hours, but I we haven't so. got them. So we need to cover as much as we can in the next 30 minutes. So, Dan, from, I'm interested in, you were raised in a Vietnamese family, but born here in Australia, then travelling to Vietnam. How, how was that? 
I'm, I'm, I'm what uh, the Vietnamese in Vietnam call overseas Vietnamese, or they've got a less polite term for it. <laughs> but uh, it's I, I grew up in a in the northern suburbs, um, mm. the north, uh, and I went to a predominantly Anglo-Saxon um, primary school. It was a, a state school. Um, my sister went to the Catholic school, um, and so we kind of grew up with very western education obviously a very western education it was a western education and then i went off to a catholic uh, boys school uh, in the north as well and uh, we had vietnamese school on the weekends but as kids when your weekends getting cut into by something else you don't like it (laughs) and so it was i've kind of always grown up with this sort of dual i actually remember there was a point in my childhood where i stopped thinking in vietnamese and started thinking in english Mm. how do you dream uh, in, in Technicolor, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's um, an odd experience to go to Vietnam because uh, I've been three times. Once as a child, and as a child, you assimilate very quickly. And the second time was roughly early twenties, and then again, the last time I went was um, sort of after my mid twenties, and it was challenging because this the last time I went was without family so I didn't go with my mum or my dad so there's no one sort of in between to kind of protect me from Mm. it all and I had to very quickly learn Vietnamese very funnily enough because I was raised by my grandparents I realised that I spoke in 1950s lingo oh my god that's hilarious (laughs) that was a giveaway (laughs) so funny (laughs) it would have been hilarious over there it's like you've just stepped out of happy days or something (laughs) hey um, and it's just it was a, a, a really interesting experience because the thing about growing up here is there's a, a psychological thing which they call culture freeze, which is what my parents would have coming over f- from Vietnam to here. They have uh, an idea of what Vietnam is like back then. And so I grew up with their vision of Vietnam. And when I got there, it was quite different. Yeah. And so there were things in my mind that I thought, well, surely the gay community would be underground. Surely, um, you know, the idea of gay rights would be not there at all. But there's actually quite a prominent gay community. Um, then just this week, um, I need to read the article properly, but um, they're considering legalizing gay marriage. I was just about to say, you're not going to say they're considering legalizing gay marriage. <laughs> they, they are. and They might beat Tasmania. <laughs> <laughs> I know, Australia, lift your game. Yeah, yeah um, absolutely. It's pretty tragic, isn't it? It's, it's, it's quite extraordinary to think, especially when it is an Asian country that is very based on the whole idea of face comes first. Mm. You know, what you show to everyone else must be the best. And for them to think that legalizing gay and lesbian marriage is the best, that's a really mm. good thing. Uh, I know when I was in Singapore and talking with a lot of Singaporeans who are very sort of in the powerful echelons, they were sort of saying no Asian country is going to do it because they're afraid that their system, you know, the neighbors will yes. kind of go, well, you know. But somebody is going to do it. Somebody has to start doing it. And for it to be Vietnam, that would be wonderful. Dan, so, that would be incredible. 
And what about the emotional connection when you went there? I know I've only been, like I'm born here, but my parents are Dutch. I've only been to Holland three times. And the last time I went there, I was out coming off the aircraft and went into the toilets at Schiphol Airport, Amsterdam. <laughs> but there were women talking Dutch in the airport. Well, I just started to cry. Oh. And there was this connection yep. of, of just like, it was like coming to the homeland when yep. I'd, I hadn't been born there. I'd hardly ever been there. But it was just this amazing thing. I think, oh, this is so, so, you know, in my soul. I, I had the exact when I got to Greece and I was wailing, not in Athens, but when I got to my mum's land, a little island, I could not stop crying and I couldn't work out why, but it just felt so right. Yeah. It felt like home. It was bizarre. Was there any any reaction like that for you then? I, I think so, yeah. yeah. It, the, it's It just captures every single part of your body just Ooh. goes, yes, this is so right. This is what I was built for. This is what I've kind of you know i'm supposed to be everything just feels yeah feels right it sort of sinks right into this spot here i'm pointing to my chest yeah it just it, and yeah. it sits there and you just know you're comforted by it it's yeah i don't know did you have family sing lullabies to you as a child or something absolutely yeah my yeah. mother told a little dutch dutch stories about how's a kotelche and kanina kotelche <gasps> and if there's any dutch people there they'll be laughing their heads off <laughs> <laughs> what that's about but anyway we'll keep that within the family but yeah, yeah it's uh, you know these connections of um, of stories and I understand also what you're saying about the language because when my parents came here and then all of a sudden there's space travel and they didn't know what words to use for that because it wasn't happening yeah. when they were back home so there are these huge sort of especially in the 50s and 60s you know when there wasn't the communication like internet and, and so on and you know even in the 80s for you guys too it's quite amazing. Ooh. We're all looking at each other here. I'm just I'm I'm back in Greece on that bus wailing. Yeah, that's right. And <laughs> I'm know, in Holland I, I, and you're in Vietnam and we're just do, do you almost feel you know when you were in Vietnam did you almost feel like a different person in you know a weird kind of way when you're speaking the Vietnamese language as opposed to the English like I can't explain it but it's a weird kind of thing. I discovered that um because I learnt Vietnamese from my parents, my mum's family in particular, I discovered that we actually speak Vietnamese with a country drawl. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah. hilarious. So it's like if you think of, a, of how a southern Texan person speaks yep. English. So you're talking Vietnamese, yeah, Shania Twain style. <laughs> <laughs> and, and people would look at me because I, I had to listen very carefully and realise they're speaking very sharp and very quickly. And it's not because, you know, they're in a hurry or anything. It's just because our family speaks slower oh, and yeah. you, you, you realise these things. <laughs> That, you know, that you didn't realize before, and it's, 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 it is absolutely lovely to to kind of just have that. And it's. Did you grow up with? You know, did you learn? Can you speak Greek? Well, it was my first language. I was born here, but my parents didn't speak English, so I spoke. It was my first language, Greek, so I couldn't speak any English. <laughs> and Carolyn? No, what we were brought up, I think uh, my parents were thinking a new country. They already learn English at school, but in a new country you assimilate and mm. you become part of the local. And I think as uh, my sister learnt Dutch like through school, but I wanted to be like everyone else and I didn't want to you know, be abnormal. And so we learnt swear words and Dutch Amish songs and when I did go and meet my grandmother, my mother said, don't say anything that you've learnt because your grandmother won't be very happy. So, But now it's such a disappointment because A, I, I, I find it difficult to learn a language and yep. also my aunt and uncle, while they speak beautiful English, grammatically correct and they can spell, as my mother can, unlike 
like us children, mm. um, it's difficult because we can't communicate in their own sort of language. Mm. Those humour and things, you know, it's it's uh, and I, it's disrespectful because you know I'm asking them, you know, to talk English when I go to Holland. You know, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I think there's a there's a sense of there is a sense of loss in translation if you don't have that language yes. to start off with. Stories are just more vivid when they're told in that mm. original language. Mm. Vietnamese language is quite simple insofar as I think we've only got one word for happy. Um, C- there's do a you few know it? sort of deviations, but it's in English there's just so many words yes. for it. Yeah. In Vietnamese it's just one yep. word. But in that one word it holds so much. Mm. And for me when I hear that word it holds so much more meaning than a hundred words of that same Yes. Can you share? End. Can you share the word? Yeah. Do you know the word? Oh. Can you remember? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, the first thing I think of is just hanful, which is sort of happiness. It's what you you you, you greet to people during uh, Vietnamese or Lunar New Year. So yeah. you sort of you know juk hanful, which is yeah. oh, hoping cute. you you know yeah. um, happiness in a, yeah. in a way. Oh, fantastic. Mm. Now, we've had a couple more messages in. We have. Do you want to read them, Anastasia? Yeah, we've got another one here. We've got enjoying you guys. Special love to my um, Anastasia and the hot Brian. <laughs> so nothing to do with Dan, but uh-huh. she's loving the show, and she would be really connecting because she's, she's Lebanese, and she speaks Le- Lebanese oh, okay. fluently, and she has that whole thing going on as well. So thanks for listening. So isn't it amazing what radio does? It just reaches people yeah. from everywhere. And I think Grant's rung in as well to say good day. So Grant's thank you, Grant. also called in yeah. saying he's enjoying the show. And we've got another one. Um, Loving the show, Caroline and Anastasia. That's Gemma. Gemma. So thank you, Gemma, for listening. Absolutely. Another person that has often early starts in the morning. So we appreciate you all staying up for us. <laughs> I <laughs> apologise for tomorrow. There's, <laughs> that, that, there's that southern accent. Yeah. So those that have just tuned in, we're all listening to uh, Dan Vo, And Dan used to be uh, working here at Joy in the marketing manager and assistant manager. And uh, we have Anastasia on uh, panelling and interviewing. I'm really concentrating and working. She's doing really hard. She's doing very hard. That's why she's quite quiet <laughs> compared to what we'll hear tomorrow at sunrise. Well, um, it's all about your reputation. <laughs> and also Thursday mornings. Yes. Does a great show. Yeah. I want to get into, we've probably got a minute before we play our yep. gorgeous sponsors, but did you ever feel pressured, um, you know, being Vietnamese and that whole thing of family, the face of your, the name of the family? Did you feel that pressure? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, was sat down by my uncle when I first started Joy and he said you need to get out of that station now you need to take it off your resume you are not going to get another job if you keep it on there wow and did he say it in that tone of voice I'm scared <laughs> well, I'm scared of yeah. him too I'm paraphrasing but yeah, yeah. it was yeah. a very long conversation yeah. But, uh, okay. yeah and there was a very I think you know uh, uh, up until that point I thought he was quite a cool. hip and cool mm. uncle <laughs> but there is a there, I think that it still follows through to this day, but I, that was 15 years ago, maybe 10 years yep. ago. I've kind of proved him wrong. Yeah. And how's your relationship with him now? It's fine now. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, he's seen that I've kind of followed it through. Yeah. I think most of the family have come to accept it uh, or even embrace it um, simply because, you know, you follow through and you do it with conviction and, you know. Yeah, do it well, as you did. Our voice. Sharing the stories of our community elders. You're on Joy 94.9. You are on Joy 94.9 with Anastasia and Dan Vo. And Dan, what we often do at this point in time, we ask our guests to bring in some memorabilia. But because <laughs> I've got the inside running with you, what I've asked to do is that 
I asked you to bring in the speech you made at the 2009 Joy AGM <gasps> because when my partner Trish and I attended that AGM, often AGMs are dry and, and Oh, boring, they're really dry. But not here at Joy because no. people share stories. And yep. this particular day, Dan read a very moving piece and I asked Dan to bring it in and I was wondering, Dan, whether you'd like to talk about it and share a little bit about what you spoke about. It's been a while since I've read it for, <laughs> through. Um it was, it was an important um, point for me because at the time it felt like I was handing over the station. Um, I was handing over the station. And I was just getting to the point where you mentioned earlier that I was the youngest staff member and the longest serving staff member all bundled into one person. I joined the organization when I was a bright-eyed, shiny 21-year-old and I came out the end slightly less bright-eyed. <laughs> Still bright-eyed and shiny to me. <laughs> Um, I'd learned so much. I'd done so much. Uh, and, you know, it's a great thing about community radio. You you are put up, put down in a chair and told to just do it. Uh, and you give it a go, which is great. You know, uh, you, you put a, a sort of responsibility on the shoulders of of people who in, in other places you may not, who not, might not get the opportunity to. Uh, and things like the Foundation for Young Australians uh, course, I got to do that here. What was that? Can you explain a little... Joy was given a grant from the Foundation for Young Australians uh, at a point in time just after we'd received the full-time licence. And the spearheads of that was Paul Turdich and Adam Stobbs, of course. And um, essentially the course, we did 70 students. um, We had 70 students go through it, and Adam Stobbs always was the uh, the very... um, the late Adam Stubbs, I should say, uh, was a very important uh, figure in that. Uh, and I was a, a staff member at the time, and so we had this very strange thing where he always called the, the people that he taught his radio babies. Mm. Yeah. And he never called me his radio baby simply because there was a, you know, I was a staff, and yet I was his trainee. So we always had a, a very interesting uh, relationship as, as a pupil and teacher, but he taught me a great deal as he did a lot of people I and, believe yeah. yes yeah yeah, yeah. he was You've wonderful by Adam well, and, and we're, yeah I was yeah, too yeah and Adam uh, was a contributor to I think more than 30 stations across yeah. Australia yes. and yep. taught yep. At and he was a member of like 70 radio stations yeah. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely he was a community man and I think uh, the the people who have gone through that course are very lucky because one we got taught by Adam but we also got this massive um, just th- it's like getting play-doh or clay or something mm. in your hands and just going just make something and we all made something and made something of ourselves we yep. all went off to you know we've got people in commercial radio and community radio still as leaders uh, and that that mm. program that uh, Joy had was extraordinary and I, I know it's it's sort of developed into the taste of radio here mm. now as well which is in a very important sort of uh, brings in new people and mm. uh, gives people a voice you know the, the critical thing There'll be some people from the Taste of Radio following our show today, so if oh, pe- so, hang around. Yeah, absolutely. And, and yeah, give it a, give it a go. It's called Fresh Air. <laughs> so, tell us about this speech because um, <laughs> I'd like to hear a little bit about. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, the speech I I went to a, a conference and came back, and the question was, how do we build resilience in our communities? And it was you know I needed to to, to come up with the answer for joy, and inevitably I think what 
we always end up doing when we're faced with challenges we so we often draw back on what we know and i i drew back on the fact that i come from a vietnamese background radio is the thing that bound us back home it was i grew up in an era where uh the internet had not come into be yet and you know cheap telephones weren't available yet and no mobiles and you couldn't mm. you know um free text back home you couldn't do that it, and radio was that thing that that gave us little trickles of news mm. very slowly gave us trickles of news but it gave us news it gave us stories from home it gave us um just the music of home and all that and i realized that that was the thing that bound the vietnamese community together and the fact that we had suffered a war and here in the gay and lesbian community i think it, we may not have a war have had a war but we had we certainly have battles and the biggest battles that we face are the personal battles that we have as we sort of face the notion that we're different and that we're gay and that we've got to come out and we've got to you know face this new world and 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 find our place in it and so the, the speech was very much uh, uh, about that and for me uh, if you want me to quote yeah, from it yeah, um, please do. i'll just sort of fast track it yeah. towards the bit where it was just I was a young Catholic boy in suburbia from a Vietnamese background with the whole notion of the, you know, the patriarchal society uh, living for the family needing to have a son to carry on the family name and and yet I had a crush on a boy and that was just something that you know being gay for me meant anger and isolation and fear and and I had um, considered suicide as well and, you know they, they filled my thoughts as as a teenager and I just wanted to be free from the torment and When I found joy, essentially what I found was freedom. Hearing another young man talk on air about the fact that he'd had a crush on another boy in school was an awakening. It was freedom, euphoria. It was life-changing and life-saving radio. And it's having the same effect on me three years later as what it did in 2009. It's a very moving um, piece, Dan. Thanks for sharing that. So why, what are you doing overseas now in London? I believe you are residing. Yes, I, I, I head up a, a media company in, in, in Soho um, and we produce uh, radio for BBC and we also programs uh, and we also do uh, audiobooks. So very, still very tied to the whole notion of the story being a very important uh, important uh, part of, of 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 existence you know that uh, we need to share stories and we do share stories it's a very that will never stop Ooh. i'm hoping that you'll uh, be able to get an audio book that, written by your mum because i think that would be sensational yeah i think it would certainly rate very well yeah you're in london um what's your plans what's your dreams from here well i love the big questions <laughs> London is a a fantastic, fantastic city. It's very large. It's full of a lot of people, Uh, not necessarily people who are all Londoners. Uh, And so there's, I I think that there, London lacks what we have here, which is, is this station, which is this hub Mm. where everyone can come together. And, you know, I know that there are people here who aren't from from Melbourne, you know, and they they also have a place here. This this notion of a place where you can come and just be yourself mm. and be accepted for who you are and be uh, recognised for who you are. And uh, you've got little outlets in London. I would love to be able to either replicate or bring <laughs> this station to London mm. because you need something that binds everyone of difference together and. 
Uh, and that would be, that, I think that's... A, I think you're the man to do it. I reckon you are yeah. too. The, uh, the Gay and Lesbian Station at Manchester, have you been there or done that? Or I must confess, I haven't. I've, I've, I've dealt with them. We, we do a bit of um, work with uh, stations across the country and mm-hmm. uh, we've, we've worked with them, but I've, I haven't touched base in order to, yeah. kind of, uh, to, to media make with them on a personal level yet. Well, maybe there's a little model there that you can, mm. because I, I reckon you single-handedly could do some uh, fundraising and, and oh, get some, some money for it, but also with your media contacts. I think it's... Uh, Certainly not single-handedly. <laughs> always, yeah, always, always bring Just in starting that. off. Just <laughs> starting off and then spread the love, as we do here. But you also have, a, I think, an idea to maybe do um, gay and lesbian um, impacts of radio, sorry, gay and lesbian in Vietnam, what's happening it's something that I spoke with Adam Stobbs about, yeah. and I'm still tinkering away on it. It's sort of like a, a, a personal hobby that's, you know, you, you kind of leave it in the garage, and then occasionally you come back to it and you kind of work on oh, a little bit more, and you go, yeah. okay, I'm going to walk away from it now because yep. it, it sort of it sort of develops itself into bigger than Ben Hurd sometimes. But, yes, I do want to make a series, and I've, I've been in touch with a few people who are interested in, in sort of assisting with it, just sort of looking at, it's uh, the history of, uh, the the future of, and the current um, placement of the, the Vietnamese community and the gay Vietnamese community. It's something that I think is very special and unique, as you would expect it to be. And I think it's something that uh, we can learn from and I would love to share with people. There are so many interesting and fascinating people that go right back into to history or go into um, the period, the war period. There was a poet that was supported by the government, the communist government, or well, the gov- communist government-to-be, who was gay. Oh, wow. And... No way. And and then, you know, he was ignored for a little while because he was and sort of disappeared. But he's now being brought back into the awareness of the consciousness of yeah. the people. And so times change and it's really great to see. And it's great to also reflect on the fact that we have been, always been there, sometimes ignored, sometimes put to the side, sometimes shunned, but we're always there. And now we're coming back to the fore. Gay and lesbian marriage in Vietnam. Wouldn't that be a lovely thing? It would be such a beautiful thing. And that's a perfect point just to head off to a couple of messages. Our Voice. Preserving the stories of our community elders. Joy 94.9. We're on Our Voice. We have Dan Vo here. And unfortunately, someone beat me to the punch. We've had a text in from Dimitri saying, Someone at Joy, give Dan a program. He has the sexiest voice I've ever heard on radio. And Dimitri, I've been meaning to... Us, you know, let Dan know that. I know, I've been getting a little bit yeah. funny. <laughs> Questioning no. my sexuality right now. Oh, are you? Oh, Anastasia. We try and keep it nice no, here. We I'm play just nice being here. Funny. I'm such a lesbian. Such a you, flirt. Are. you are. But you see, there even he says that. Such a flirt. It's so beautiful. <laughs> now, Dan. We're coming into the closing stages of the most rapidly finishing hour I've ever been a part of. And these are some quick fire questions. So we're just going to ask you a couple of them. Dan, who's your favourite GLBTI icon? Um, Justice Michael Kirby. If you could invite three people to dinner, either living or past, who would they be? Justice Michael Kirby, Ian McKellen, and not Coward. Lovely. If you could be anywhere in the world, where would you like to be right now? I would be, I'd love to be in sort of like this strange time war, or the TARDIS, so I could be in London and Melbourne at the same time. Fantastic. That's awesome. a good one. Doctor Who fans, there you go. <laughs> Name one thing on your bucket list. One thing. <laughs> uh, or uh, um, to, to, to travel with the Doctor. This is getting really geeky. There it is. It's getting, we're going to ask you a simple one. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Sunrise or sunset? 
Oh, uh, sunrise, because I never see them. I see the sunsets. Ah, okay. Mm. We're going to see sunrise here because we're going to stay in the studio. <laughs> Anastasia's going to keep going until her breakfast show. Um, what's your favourite hobby? Radio. Yeah, radio. What's your favourite film? Favourite film? I still like Run, Lola, Run. Just the idea <gasps> that you have three chances mm. to get it right. Yep. Oh, sounds good. I might do that for our radio show. What's the most outrageous thing you've ever done? Um, packed up my home and <laughs> went travelling. It's not that outrageous. We can all do that. With 88 positions, that's the difficulty. What's the, been the best experience of your life? I think it must be uh, going to Vietnam and standing on the family cemetery and doing a full 360 look around at everything. It was just like a Lion King moment. That Once upon a time, that was our family lands and all our ancestors have come back home to that place and just to be there. I think that's a beautiful note to wrap up an interview with Dan Vo. Thank you, Anastasia, for being our oh, co-host. It's been an absolute pleasure. Dan, you've Thank shared you. some amazing experiences and I really would like to meet your mum one day. I think she's very special. And we'll leave you... We're handing over to some lovely young men from uh, Fresh Air that's going to bring you a show about letters. Yeah. And uh, Dan would like to say... Uh, I just wanted to share the last thing on the quote that um, from that speech because I think it's it's still relevant to this day. It's from a Vietnamese Buddhist monk. Um, who His name is Tit Nhat Hanh, and his quote is, Joy sometimes is the cause for your smile, but your smile is the cause for joy. Oh, that's beautiful. It Thank is. you so much, Dan. Thank you, Caroline, for letting me panel. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. Thank and you. safe travels. You have been listening to Our Voice on Joy 94.9. For more information, head to joy.org.au to connect with Our Voice online. for listening to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.